0: This morning, we are kicking off a new series which we've entitled A New Way to be Human. Some refer to this as spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, or simply what Jesus called the way. And the basis of all of this is that if Jesus, Christ Jesus, has come into your life or as you've received Christ, then you have been sanctified And you are being transformed into his image. And what we want to do is unravel some of the practices, some of the rhythms of life, of what that actually looks like as a follower of Jesus to participate in following after him. Now, one of the things, you know, new year that I have been thinking about is I really, really wish transformation was effortless. Anybody else? It's like, man, I want to eat cake and lose weight. I want to think about running and have that work out that my heart is getting healthy. And I've experienced something in the physical realm of life is if you don't do those things, you can't just think about them and get your desired results. In addition to that if you're going to put yourself towards some kind of goal in that way, it's going to take discipline in your life. And it's not just discipline to get up and run or do the stair stepper, but then it's discipline of what you're going to eat. It's discipline of how you're going to sleep. It's discipline of the rhythms you're creating for your life. So as a rule, when it comes to just your general physiological health, We understand what it means and looks like when we take a holistic approach to our yearly New Year's resolution of, I'm finally, finally going to maybe work on that, whatever that may be in your life. Now, we're going to look at this in terms of walking with Jesus. And when you combine these two ideas together, what I'm afraid people will hear, and what I want to just from the outright get-go say, this is not discussing, talking about, pertaining to, receiving Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, guilt gone, shame gone, Him paying that price and giving us His righteousness, but this is, what the heck do I do afterwards? I mean, what is, is the Christian life just like getting to sing some tunes on Sunday and during some 38 to 40-year-old guy talk on a Sunday morning or 55 or 60-year-old and getting some wisdom and then going back and hitting repeat and doing this over and over and over again? Or, or what does actually walking in the way of Jesus look like? Transformation, progressive sanctification, because we are sanctified, we're being sanctified, we will be sanctified. So I want to give you some scriptures. They should come up in order. Here we go. Philippians 2.12. Michael talked about this two weeks ago. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out. Exercise, right? Work out. Work out your own salvation. Let your salvation have a working out in your life. It's one of the ways I like to understand that, with fear and trembling. If you want to, you can turn back a couple of pages or one in your Bible, and let's look at Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 1 is this beautiful talk of what God has done in our lives. We've been sealed in the Spirit, and Paul is waxing on eloquently, and he hits this section of Scripture, and I'm just going to back it up a bit, but you can put verse 10 in there. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift. We won't debate that here today. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, listen, walk in them. Turn over to the right and go to Colossians chapter 2. Some of my favorite verses here in Colossians. I love all of Colossians, but right here, Paul says, therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There's that idea. Walk in him as you've received him. Here's some instruction on what that looks like, to be rooted, grounded, built up. This is the kind of language that implies there is something that we're participating in. While receiving Jesus is this passive action. And what I mean by that, it's a work that he has done for us, and we receive it because of what he has done. That's this passive act. It then walks into, moves into this active action of working it out in our own lives. Finally, and this is a bit lengthier, 2 Peter chapter 1. I've already talked for seven minutes, so I'm going to skip the first three verses or so. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to a life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, sinful desire, And he's going to talk about this transferring of desire, just like the psalmist, as my heart longs for him. So, partakers of the divine nature, escape through corruption and sinful desire. This very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, and increasing and increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of your Lord and Savior, Jesus This morning, we're going to spend the bulk of our time discussing this word formation. And really, when I want to talk about it, it's in terms of spiritual formation. And then we'll end our time in just really introing what the next 12 weeks will look like as we talk about disciplines or spiritual disciplines or rhythms or a new way to be human. But what we must first grasp, and what I want you to understand, is... Faith, receiving, walking with Jesus, is something that you have, in a sense, passively, because of what he has done, received. Formation, formation, is something that we're going to get after, that we're going to put our hand to. Let me read this quote about what is formation from Dallas Willard. It's a little heady, but he says, in any case, we may be sure of this, the formation is and later, transformation of the inner life of the man from which our outer, content, our outer existence flows is an inescapable human problem. Spiritual formation, without regard to any specifically religious context or tradition, is the process by which the human spirit or will is given a definite form or character. It is a process that happens to everyone. The most despicable as well as the most admirable of persons, have had spiritual formations. K. Dallas, what does that mean? Formation are the ingredients that are put into your life that make you, you. Some are intrinsic, innate. Some of you are born with a shyness, an introvertness, Others of you, and those aren't the same things, by the way. Those are two different things, shyness and introvertness, just to clarify. Others of you are born with an outgoing, extrovert kind of personality. Some of you have these deep fears from just a young age, and you're wondering where are they coming from or what's going on. And all of this is kind of your, your makeup of who you are. And then there's outside things that come into your life, experiences, family, origins, where you grew up. And those things begin to shape and form you, and they play on what's already inside of your life. So some are intrinsic and innate, and they get played on for better or worse. They undermine, they exaggerate, and then it externally gets projected from us. So here's what we'll talk about. There are some aspects of formation, life formation, that are out of your control. Who in here chose to be born? Yeah, you don't even want to think about how that happened. (laughs) There's probably some young minds in here. I won't tell them, don't worry. You did not choose to be born in the country that you were born in, and yet that is formative in your life. You did not choose the parents, parent, or the parents that didn't want you, but that was formative in your life. Most likely as a child, you didn't get the luxury to choose the school you went to, not until you got to pick your college and whether you wanted to rebel and go down to Arizona or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even tell my kids about that school. They're pastor kids. They're on a you know downward trajectory until they remember their faith. I'm teasing. You did not get to choose the neighborhood you grew up in as a child, your neighbors, whether they were kind or mean, whether they were troublemakers, whether they invited you into problems and issues, whether you spent time in their homes. You you, you did not get to choose all of those things. As a child, you didn't get to choose if you had a television in your house or video games and how you spent your time in those ways. You didn't choose your siblings. And again, You didn't choose if your mom and dad were kind or angry, lackadaisical, not present, unwilling to invest in your life. You didn't choose if you were rich or if you were poor or if you were somewhere in between as a kid. All of this has gone into you and has formed your opinions about the world, about God, about scripture, about atheism, about education, about politics. All of these outside things that were out of your control have formed who you are as a person, not by choice. Now, there are things that you did get to choose. Maybe somewhere around a pre-teenage, or teenage, or college, you began to choose your friends, your interests, in this day and age, They're choosing what media and propaganda that it promotes and that you are adhering to and listening to. You're being formed. You're being shaped by CNN, Fox, Max News, Twitter. And Twitter and crypto, I'm like, oh, I should go buy that. (laughs) Right? I got to get that now. It's forming my thoughts and opinions about those things right now. TikTok, Z21, ESPN, Joe Rogan, he might be forming some of your thoughts, or his experience might be forming some of your thoughts right now as well. Any number of tonight shows, these are things that you choose willingly to participate in, listen to, and they shape you. The entertainment you watch, everything from Ted Lasso to Lord of the Rings, is actually putting an imprint on your heart, on your life, whether you know it or not. Whether you listen to Chris Stapleton or Drake, The words, the motives, the language, it forms our lives. Who we read, who we hang out with, I think you guys get the point at at this time. And what's going on in formation is not always a bad thing. Because again, we're not just talking about Christianity, we're talking about all of life. And so what people take into their life, because what we do as humans is we live from the inside out. But we have the outside coming in, in which we internal, etern- internalize in which we begin to think about and process when there's issues or problems, when we think through our childhood, what you've maybe done in counseling, and you begin to think, this is why I am because these things have happened to me. We take everything from the outside. We move it into the inside. But as people, we then live from the inside out and we project it back out into the world because that is how God created us as image bearers. As image bearers intended to reflect God's glory, his glory to the rest of the world, his goodness and who he is and how he works and how he moves. That is how humans were to be. But when we reject God and we choose then to image bear everything and everyone else around us, we begin to act like, think like, talk like, be like them. Formation is happening all around you. All around you. And we all have stories of it. I spent 75 percent of my educational years in the public school systems, whether it was community college or high school. I spent about 25 percent of my time finishing a degree online as well as one year in a Christian school. I remember it was my first day at Christian school, and I don't have any knocks against Christian school, all right, I just want to like say that up front, but I'm new. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people and I hear that we have what's called a short day on Friday and I'm like, this school is rad. Like this is when you used to go to school and not get half days Wednesdays, right? And and I show up and we have this dress code there and I'm in my like dress code of nice long pants because it's chapel day and nice collared shirt and everybody else is wearing shorts. And I went, well, what are we doing? We can't wear shorts. And they said, This is short day, not short day. And I went, I hate Christian school. I faked sick more time that year than any other time in my life, and my poor parents fronted that bill for me to barely get through it. It was the worst. And what it did, though, is it gave me this mentality of religiosity and religious people, and oh my goodness, they have all these rules around dress and language And I was, at that time, definitely a follower of Jesus, but slightly irritated with the legalism that it promoted. And it formed me. It did something in me. And so that's why I dress like I dress today. (laughs) Just wait this summer. T-shirts, I'll sweat through them. It'll be hideous, okay? We're being formed. When Willard talks about this, he talks about it in two ways. What does it look like to be formed? If culture is going to form you, i got a slide that's going to come up. In the life away from God, I love that language. This is the order of dominance. Your body's the most important thing. That's how the world operates. How I adorn it and dress it, that's what we think about. How I physically use it to bring pleasure. What I'm putting into it. I mean, we just idolize the health industry. Certain looks, the body's number one. Then the soul comes under that. Then your mind, thoughts, feelings then the Spirit. And whether you know it or not, if you believe in God or not, God is on that list at the very bottom of your life being ordered. You don't really care, but maybe sometimes you wonder. This is the order of idolatry in all kinds of ways. Now, what every single person wants is what we call the good life. And we're trying to figure out, how do I get the good life? And culture's forming us and telling us, this is how you're going to get the good life and I would argue there's just miserable, miserableness at the end of it. So how does Christ, the Holy Spirit, God, how does that form us? This is the life under God. By contrast, the dominance is God is first, then spirit, mind, which is thought and feeling, soul, and body. And This is what Dallas says. He says, here, the body serves the soul. The soul, the mind, the mind, the spirit, and the spirit, God. Conversely, the life from above flows from God throughout the whole person, including the body and its social context. A life rightly ordered under God is going to have a heart that is cultivated by God and when thrown in the pressure cooker, responds in ways in which God is king and not your own body. And it's going to become a natural outflow of who you are. Now, in Christianity, what has happened is ideas of like my Christian school, where if you wear shorts, you might get pregnant as an eighth grader, right? It's like, that's what wearing shorts leads to in eighth grade, apparently. Goodness. And you go, what in the world is this legalistic stuff? (laughs) What is this? Are you kidding me? This is what it means to be a Christian: externally expressing something that inwardly I have no feeling towards or love towards, and it's frustrating. It's irritating. It's promoting my own self-like worth in some ways. I get to look proud and look down on others because I wear pants even on short day, so I must be really good, right? That's what we want to undo here, and we have to be really careful. Because when you hear words like spiritual discipline, you're like, dude, I'm out. I, like, accepting Jesus was enough for me. I can get under that. But are you baiting switching me? Is there, is there something I have to do at this time? And I want to break away from that mentality because what we're going to see is the disciplines flow from a life that is longing after God. You've been transformed, you've been changed. And what we wanna do is care for your soul and we wanna see transformation happen. And so the, this is, again, I'm sorry, it's a lot of Dallas today, but he says, understanding is the basis of care. So you need to understand that you are being formed. You're gonna leave here and you're gonna be formed by what you watch today, by what you talk about today. And he goes on and says, what would you take care of what you would take care of, you must first understand, whether it is to be a petunia or a nation. If you would care for your spiritual core, your heart, or will, you must understand it. So, spiritual formation. Christian formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus for the glory of God and for the sake of others. 2 Corinthians 3 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And just some like, thought on that verse. The only hope of humanity lies in the fact that, as our spiritual dimension has been formed, you can be transformed. You can be transformed. What areas of life is this actually going to impact? It's going to impact our thought life. As we begin to press into these thoughts and ideas, we want to have our minds transformed by God, minds that dwell on who he is and his goodness and his glory. We're going to begin to see that thought life taken over by who God is, our feelings life. You, believe it or not, are not a one-dimensional person. You have thoughts and feelings and a will, and what we want to see is this overall transformation in that feeling life, one that is deeply characterized by the love of God, investing into your emotional side as we look at these disciplines. Your will, which is your volitional or choosing motive inside of you. Think about what you choose and why you do it. Think about what Paul says in Romans. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do? Oh, wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Anybody else feel like that? Yeah, you know what? Only the people that were older lifted their hands. You'll learn, young guys, young gals, I promise, all right? It is a battle and we feel this in our lives and yet what this is Getting into us is how do we get our will impacted by what it means to follow Jesus, so if presented an opportunity to lie and self-promote, we said we instead choose to tell truth and maybe self-deprivate. That is not the way of the world. But you see, we want to get to a place where our responses have been so saturated with time spent with God that that is what is the natural outflow of our lives. But quite frankly, many of us don't know how to get there. We don't. got all this knowledge that we should get there. But we just don't know how to get there. And then somebody gives like a teaching on fasting. And it sounds great until you're hungry. And you didn't realize you'd get low blood sugar. And then how do you come back from a fast? And I passed that teaching off to Carson, so he has to deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that can afford to fast, Carson, but let's let's be honest. He's way more articulate than me, so he'll kill it. Your body, the choices you make in your body. My wife says my face is really telling, so I may be doing this and smiling, or at least I think I'm smiling, but I'm just inwardly in turmoil, and she can see it all the time. How do you get to where your body actually agrees with your lips? Yeah, yeah. We're going to learn about that. <laughs> it's going to be rad, right? Your social relations, such an epidemic in our world today, are social relations. Broken, leave them, delete them, move on. That is the program of the world. And we want to fix that. We can't do it in 13 weeks, but we're beginning a process that I want to engage you in to walk in, to move through. All right. That's all good stuff, but we're going to leave it behind. Spiritual disciplines. How are we going to create space, rhythms, margins, rules of life? A lot of you already have one revolving around Sunday. You have a routine. My routine, get up at like 5, 5.30, spend some time in the scriptures, go over my sermon notes, look at my watch. It's 7. Nobody else in the house is up wake them up in a panic, act frustrated that we're going to be late. But my wife tells me I'm the boss. <laughs> She's trying to calm me down. I'm in anxiety, turmoil. We get here 10 minutes early still. And, and it's my rhythm. <laughs> and there's some good parts of that rhythm. And there's some really bad parts of that rhythm that I want to change. There's some things that Jesus needs to do in me. That's just my Sunday. I want to create these rhythms in my own life, these rules of life, these disciplines, in which much of this stuff becomes so natural in who I am as a person and a follower of Jesus that it begins to transform my whole being, not just getting smarter about things in the Bible so I can beat you at trivia, but actually having true knowledge that brings change out into the world, and this comes from the outside coming in, moving out. So, Look at this. There's this new way to be human. And you all have ingrained habits. Richard Foster is going to talk about the slavery of the ingrained habits. If you have your phone, you have permission to bring it out right now. Not that you didn't before, but there's actually, it's like not fantasy football or anything going on today. Blazers stink. They trade away their players. Like, pull your phone out, goodness sakes, all right? And and I want you to just take... Um, 30 seconds, if you would, or a pen and paper. um, And and I'm going to shut my mouth for just a second. And I want you to think of some ingrained habits that are good and some that are bad. And we'll just hear the cries of children. We love that here. So I do. All right. I know it's going to be super awkward. I'm sorry. What are ingrained habits that you look at your life? I get up at this time. I do these things. This is good. This is bad. This is where I want change. And the reason we're doing this is over the course of the next 13 weeks, I want you to come back and revisit it and see what God might do through the challenges that we're going to present, through the conversations that you're going to have in community at lunch after church. Just be aware and to have knowledge of yourself as we apply these to our lives. I'll just give you about 10 more seconds. The purpose behind what we're talking about is liberation from the slavery and the bondage of those things that pull us away of walking in the ways of Jesus so we might have freedom and enjoyment in how we live. When we talk about disciplines, I like Dallas Willard's thought on it. He says the disciplines are activities of mind, body, purposely undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is strictly speaking beyond deriving from the spiritual realm itself. What you're going to find interesting, you can leave that up there for a little bit. It's just headache if you want to reread it. What you're going to find interesting is Jesus never commanded any of these except prayer. Never commanded any of these except prayer. But Jesus did say, follow me. And if you think of that game, follow a leader when you're a kid. And the leader did this, what'd you do? Yeah, you did that. And the leader did this. Don't kick your neighbor, please. It's not Sunday school. You did that. They didn't have to say it. Why? Because you knew they were leading you. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I know what it means to respond to Jesus in terms of, I am a sinner in need of his grace to transform my life. But then, is that it? Or is there this piece that Christianity has recently kind of done a bad job at or ignoring because we don't want to put too much on anybody? God forbid we ever did that. And is there this piece that says, hey, Do you guys remember when Jesus just like got away for 40 days in the wilderness? and fasted. Do you think part of that could be what it means to follow Jesus? Do you think that when he was on a boat and sleeping when there was a raging storm, do you want that kind of peace in your raging storm right now? Do you think maybe it's because of the things that he participated? while oh, he was God. He was the God man. He suffered just like you. Fully God, fully man. He experienced all of what it was to be in humanity. Pain, suffering, betrayal, deceit, and you see how he responds? I want that kind of response in those moments. Do you think there's maybe something to, I don't know, those like 22 chapters in Matthew between one and two, the birth, and like the last three of his death and resurrection? Maybe there's this important piece that we should be looking at, like we just spent the last year of what it means to follow him. I want us to follow him. The disciplines that we're gonna talk about The rhythms, the new way to be human, they're not hard. And you don't need a PhD or a master's or a high school education or a junior high education. You just, you don't. But as Psalm 42, one and two says, as deep calls out to deep, as Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, spiritual formation is focused entirely on Jesus. Longing after him. You don't need to be a biblical scholar. Now, we must keep in mind, and this is a warning, they can also lead to a way of death. If these get used in a way for fear and intimidation, if these get used for religious snobbery, in a way to think, well, I'm, I'm better than you. I didn't wear my shorts to church today. I'm a good Christian. right? If we begin to use them in that way to promote an external spirituality, then we are not falling in the ways of Jesus. We're promoting fear. We're putting others down. But it is an invitation into the divine life, as Peter said, to taste and see that God is good. So who or what is going to be the most formative aspect of your life? I know there's things you can't erase, and I know there are things that you didn't choose but you can choose some things daily. You can choose what you're going to think about today. Mm -hmm, You can. Dwell on bitterness and anger, not forgive. You can choose to focus on past hurts and pains. Some of that stuff needs to be dealt with and you need to do it in a right manner. You can choose what you want your mind to dwell on. You can choose your actions today, your will. Now, so much of our lives have been trained to react a certain way. Ask Jessica, I'm a reactionary person, and my reactionary person is this. There's water running. I lived in old houses for too long where pipes break and problems happen. And so when water's running in the house, I automatically think it's bad news. i got to fix something. I bought, I'm not kidding. I have a reaction to that. Why? Because of experience. How do I become a more relaxed, calm person? You can choose your actions, your morals, your values. You today, you today, because of the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, can choose the way your life will go. There is a completely new way to be human in the life of Jesus. Lots of information, Father. Just asking that the Holy Spirit allows this to stick in us, to inspire us. So next week when we look at prayer, prayer is not a drudgery, an obligation, but it's pursuit and delight and engagement and enjoyment. That we don't beat ourselves up for not enough time in it, but we celebrate that you're starting to get us into it. As we look at each one of these, God, I pray for Redeemer's Church that we would grow in maturity, that the body would actually live Ephesians 4 out, and that we'd be able to build one another up as we are teaching and training. You are jointly fitting us together, spurring each other on for good works. Help us in this. May there be no guilt surrounding these or I should do more, I didn't do enough. When we see it as an invitation celebrate what you've done in our lives.